Well, that's all for this week. Thanks again for joining us. If you'd like to contact us or find out more about our ministry, head over to our website at cornerstonechurch.info. Have a great week. It's good to be with everybody, good to be worshiping together. Hello to everyone watching from a home church. Hello to everyone watching just by yourself or with your family. And hello to everyone watching at a watch party at our facility. How awesome is that? Make some noise. Now, here's the thing, the watch party, you better have made some noise because I'm going to be there tomorrow when this watch party airs. And if you are quiet... I'm going to be judging you, okay? <laughs> I'm going to be judging you, all of you. <laughs> but hey, it is. It's awesome. Uh, what an exciting time for our church. Uh, just really cool days are ahead of us. I know it. it's been challenging, but man, God's got something great in store for us. I'm excited to see what, uh, what the future holds, what the future holds for us. But this is an awesome first step. So again, welcome to everybody watching from our facility at a watch party. Well, hey, we are in week two of Divine Detours. Uh, it's this series where we're focusing on expectations, expectations we put on other people, expectations other people put on us, expectations we put on God. Uh, if you were with us last week, you know that part one, what we really kind of focused in on is the idea of uh, our expectations that we put on other people, right? Um, and so if, if last week, if it helped you, if you related to it, why don't you put in the comments, why don't you tag somebody who's let you down, okay? Tag them so we can all publicly shame them together. Um, <laughs> obviously, I'm kidding. Obviously, I'm kidding. People are like, oh, okay, I'll backspace. I won't tag. <laughs> um, but no, I, I hope that it helped. Uh, I know God was preaching that sermon to me last week <laughs> about expectations I can put on other people. Um, just real quick, I'll kind of recap where we've been so far. So we were looking at the story of Mary and Joseph, uh, specifically Mary becoming uh, pregnant and her telling Joseph, and we were talking about how um, if, if we read into the story, if we imagine these are real people with real feelings, we have to imagine that Mary had some kind of expectation for Joseph, hoping that he would handle it well, hoping that he would believe her, hoping that he would trust her, that God would speak something to him. Um, but we learn different truths from that story. The first one that we talked about is the idea that I can't expect others to embrace something that they didn't experience, right? That I can't expect something, uh, uh, someone else to just embrace this event or, or this feeling or this thought that I experienced. Like Mary, she was the one who had the angel appear to her, not Joseph. Mary was the one who had this revelation happen to her. And so it would have been silly for her to expect Joseph to just embrace that experience too if he didn't experience it for himself. Uh, and we talked about the fact that that happens to us so often in our lives that we expect people to have a certain feeling about something, that we expect people to feel a certain way or to think a certain way over something that we experienced, but they didn't themselves. So that's the first truth we looked at. The second main point we looked at was the idea of what if other people are letting me down because they're living up to someone else, right? Someone else's expectations because we're not the star of the movie. Like other people exist. Other people have expectations. And again, from the story of Mary and Joseph, we see that, while Mary was let down because Joseph was like, hey, I'm gonna have to divorce you. I'll divorce you quietly. I'm gonna have to divorce you. While Mary was let down, it's precisely because Joseph was living up to the law. He was living up to what he uh, thought he was commanded to do. And again, the same thing goes in our situation. People can have other expectations that are put on them by other people, by friends, by coworkers, by their boss. Uh, and so if we're being let down, 
What if it's because they're living up to someone else's expectations, right? And so it's just an important thing for us to remember. And then the last thing that we uh, talked about le- uh, last week was this idea that we shouldn't let other people not fulfilling what we hope they would, like these ruined expectations, we shouldn't let that ruin what we can experience from God, right? Like for today, let's just talk about this watch party, okay? There's probably at least one person who is like, okay, I'm gonna talk to my spouse. I'm gonna be like, hey, we should go to a watch party. We should go to this watch party together. And they said, okay, yeah, you signed up for it and everything. And then today was like, eh, never mind. I, I don't wanna go. And so you decided, well, okay, I guess I won't go either. I guess I'm not gonna go either. So you stayed at home. And you let this expectation that you expected you would go together and it falling through, you let that ruin what you could have experienced from God, right? We do this all the time and it's so dangerous and we should not do it. Do not let ruined expectations that you had for other people ruin what you experience from God. We just don't want that to happen. So that takes us to where we are today. It takes us to part two today. And I want us to start off the sermon today with something unexpected. On our theme of expectations, I wanna start off with something unexpected and I'm gonna read to you something unexpected. I'm gonna read part of a genealogy. Part of a genealogy. This is why this is unexpected. You typically don't lead with a genealogy. <laughs> like, it, it's a family tree. It's boring, right? I mean, that's, that is like public speaking 101. Whenever you start a talk, you want it to be captivating. Like, I remember me and in my uh, public speaking classes, and everything they tell you is like grab people's attention right off the bat. Give them a captivating story. Give them a, 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 you know, a quote. Give them a statistic. Do something to get people's attention. And typically, so-and-so is the father of so-and-so. And so-and-so is the father. That doesn't cut it. That doesn't really keep people's attention very well. But stick with me, okay? Stick with me. If you're going to stick with me, say in the chat, I'm going to stick with you. If you're the watch party, let's, I'm going to stick with you. All right, because here we go. We're going to be looking at Matthew chapter 1. And we're going to kind of jump around a little bit through this genealogy. I just want to point out uh, uh, just a few little verses here and there. Uh, but we're going to start in Matthew chapter 1, starting in verse 1. This is what it says. This is the genealogy of Jesus the Messiah, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Abraham was the father of Isaac, Isaac the father of Jacob, Jacob the father of Judah and his brothers, Judah the father of Perez and Zerah, whose mother was Tamar, jumping down to verse six, and Jesse the father of King David. David was the father of Solomon, whose mother had been Uriah's wife. Verse seven, Solomon the father of Rehoboam, Rehoboam the father of Abijah, Abijah the father of Asa, Verse 10, Hezekiah, the father of Manasseh, Manasseh, the father of Amon, Amon, the father of Josiah. And all God's people said, amen. (laughs) Wasn't that invigorating? Wasn't that captivating? Don't you feel like, man, I went to church this morning and I heard that Manasseh was the father of Amon and it was awesome, right? (laughs) You see right there, right there. And we we may have lost people. Some people were like, yeah, I'll stick with you. And then as soon as I started reading, they're like, yeah, never mind. What what, what other churches got going on today, (laughs) right? You start scrolling again. People usually skip genealogies. Pastors skip them. Whenever you're reading, whenever you, you start a reading plan and you get to it, you're like, um, okay, let me just go down to verse 18 where the actual narrative begins. I, I wanna just skip ahead to the good stuff. But you know, isn't it just like God to give us stuff that we need where we least expect it? Isn't that just like God to meet us whenever we least expect it, 
Whenever our expectations aren't great, we're looking at this, we're going, this is boring, these are just names, what, what is going on here? God gives us something pretty substantial in the midst of these names. And that's what we're gonna be looking at today. He gives us what we need when we least expect it. And this is just a little sidebar thing. This, this isn't exactly with what we're talking about today, but man, I, I just feel God kind of pointing this out. This is something that we need to be so careful of. We, we have a tendency to wanna to fast forward things when God wants us to focus right? When we're like, can I just get past this stuff and just get to the good stuff? The stuff you want to get past sometimes is the good stuff. The stuff you want to just fast forward is the good stuff. And so God wants us to focus in when instead we're trying to fast forward through things. So if you're with me and you're like, no, I'm going to, we're going to focus in on a genealogy today. We're going to focus in on it. If you're with me, I want you wherever you're at. If you're at a watch party, if you're at home, let's bow our heads. Let's pray together real quick. All right. Father God, we thank you for your word, for every aspect of your word, even the parts that it feels like we can just fast forward, we can just skip over. We know it doesn't really apply to us. We know that there's nothing substantial there for us, God. We know that every aspect of your word is beneficial. We know that your word does not return void. And so God, we ask that you would speak to us today, speak to us from an unexpected place and help us to learn something new about you and in the process to learn something new about ourselves so we can become more and more like your son, Jesus. We love you, Father, and we pray this in your name. Amen. Amen. Well, today we are talking about the mess in Messiah. (laughs) The mess in Messiah. And if I can be honest for a moment, I felt like a mess when I took over the lead pastor role here at Cornerstone. If I'm just being honest, I felt kind of like a mess. And that's because um, I was taking over for Pastor Brenda, who is a a legend, like just a legend. One of the greatest uh, pastors, not just in Cornerstone's history, in Akron, in the Akron area in Ohio, just an incredible, incredible pastor, incredible woman. And so whenever I was getting ready to take over for her, I just felt like, man, I'm looking at her. I'm looking at her life. I'm looking at the choices she's made. I'm looking at the way that she's built into other people. And I'm, I'm just looking at all this different stuff. And I look at me. I'm like, whew, I'm a hot mess compared to like where she's at, right? Like just feeling that way. Um, and, and I look, you know, I just, I think about the differences. And uh, I was going over them in my head. I'm like, man, like our, our, our family, our family situation. So whenever she took over in 1996, yeah, 1996, whenever she took over, um, her, her youngest, me, was getting ready to turn 10, right? So she takes over as lead pastor, her youngest is getting ready to turn 10. I'm taking over as lead pastor and my youngest just turned one. Like we're in a different place in life, a different place in family. Uh, we, we were different ages when we took over. We have different personalities. We're, we're different on the Enneagram, right? What's your Enneagram? Put it in the comments. I wanna know what people's Enneagram numbers are, but we're, we're different personalities. Um, we have different giftings. She is probably the most gifted counselor I've ever met. Like she just, she is so good at it. She's so wise, such a great counselor. Me on the other hand, not so much. <laughs> like I'm just not a great counselor. It's just not an area of, uh, of strength for me. And so I look at all these differences and I look at all these things and I look at everything and I'm like, man, are people gonna expect that out of me? Like are people expecting Pastor Brenda 2.0? I am her son right? I am her son. And so like, are they just thinking, oh, Pastor Jacob will take over. This just will be great. Like he'll step right in and be exactly like uh, she was. 
And so I have these, and whether those are real or imagined expectations, they're things that I'm thinking about, right? They're things that I'm, I'm wondering, are other people expecting this of me? And it's crazy how you can do that, how you can put those expectations on yourself, uh, even if they're real or if they're imagined. I remember, um, and this is, this is crazy, I'm sure everybody's got uh, an example like this, something in their past where someone's said something to them or, or done something to them and it stays with you. Even if you've forgiven that person, even if you've tried to move on, there's still that like little thing there, you know what I mean? I remember years ago, whenever I was first uh, starting to become a pastor back in 2012, I preached my first sermon ever and then not the next Sunday, but the Sunday after that, uh, I was back on stage uh, going to do the announcements. And I had one of these things on. I had a, a, a mic on. And so as I was uh, walking around greeting people before service, uh, a lady in the church, awesome lady, like great lady, she saw me with it and she goes, hey, hey, are, are you on stage today? I said, yeah, yeah, I am. And real quickly, she went, you're not preaching, are you? I was like, uh, no, I'm, I'm just doing the announcements today. And she goes, oh, okay. I was hoping you were going to do something funny because I used to do like skits a lot and drama and stuff. She's an amazing woman, an amazing woman, awesome lady. She had no idea. Like you can tell she didn't think anything of it, but that like just hit me so hard. I'm like, oh, well, I'm terrible. Like if my sermon was awful, like I'm so bad. Should I even keep doing this? Like am I, should I just try to be the funny guy, right? Like, so all these things are going in my head and it's crazy how that one event like led to me putting expectations on myself and what people must be expecting out of me. They expect me to be the funny guy, not the pastor and all those things. It's, it's crazy how that has stayed with me in different ways. Now God has, you know, helped me with it. He's given me more confidence and things, but how that one event and how we can allow events like this to create expectations for ourselves that we feel from other people, whether they're real or imagined, those expectations, they happen and then they can just linger. They can just linger there. They can linger in your mind. Um, there's a quote that's attributed to the philosopher Aristotle. I'm gonna change it a little bit because he's talking about to avoid criticism, but I'm gonna change criticism to expectation. This is what he says. To avoid expectations, say nothing, do nothing, be nothing. To avoid, if you want to avoid expectations in your life, like if I wanted to avoid the, the feelings of like, oh man, are people expecting me to be like Pastor Brenda? Well, there's an easy way for me to avoid it. Not exist, right? Like just, just say nothing, do nothing, be nothing. That's the only way to avoid expectations because the fact of the matter is, expectations exist. They do. Expectations exist. And I know there are some very caring, considerate people who are watching me talk about myself and the expectations that I wondered if other people had about me. And you were thinking, oh, Pastor Jacob, people didn't have that expectation of you. They don't expect you to be just like Pastor Brenda. They, they're not expect. Yeah, there's some who are. There actually are. <laughs> and I want to tell you the truth about yourself too. There are people who expect things out of you. There are people right now who are expecting things out of you that you cannot live up to. They're expecting them from you. They're, they expect you should talk a certain way. You should live in a certain kind of house. You should live in a certain kind of neighborhood. You should do certain kind of things. Your kids should look and talk a certain way. They should go to a certain school. Expectations are real. They are, they do exist. And for us to act like, oh no, that's not actually out there. There are, there are real expectations that people have. Sure, we can imagine some of them up, but there are a lot of real expectations that people have for us out there. And this is what I wanna tell you. And I want you to put this in the comment. I want you to, if you're at our watch party, say it with me. I should expect expectations. 
I should expect expectations. Like, you should just expect that people are going to have expectations for you. But here is the key on that, okay? Expect expectations, but that doesn't mean you have to live up to them. Right? So let's not lie to ourselves. Let's not, you know, oh, let's just, oh, let's just feel good. No, no one ever feels that way about me. No, some people do. Some people do. People have expectations from you. Some will voice those expectations. Some will not. They'll keep them to themselves. But people have expectations that they are putting on you right at this moment. But that does not mean that you and I have to live up to them. We don't. So back to our text. This is where I want to kind of prove my point a little bit. Back to our text for the day, a genealogy. What in the world does that have to do with expectations from other people? I want us to look at this, okay? Because again, verse one, this is the genealogy of Jesus, the Messiah. The Messiah literally means the Christ, the anointed one, the holy one of Israel, the sinless, perfect lamb of God. This is his genealogy. And let me just point out a few names from this genealogy. Jacob, Tamar, David, Manasseh, just, just four names. I'm just going to, just those four names. If you're a student of the Bible, if you went to Sunday school, <laughs> right, maybe you have some kind of background on who these people are. You understand, I'm sure David is probably the most recognizable name in there, maybe Jacob. Uh, but other than that, you may just see these and you just see names. You're like, okay, yeah, Jacob and Tamar and Manasseh and Okay, yeah, what, what do these have to do with anything and what does this have to do with expectations? Well, these are all people who are in Jesus's family line. These are his relatives, people who are connected to the Messiah, the Holy One of Israel. And Jacob is a thief. He's a thief. Jacob is a, a man who lied to his brother, stole, lied to his uh, father, stole his brother's birthright. He was pretty much a con artist whenever you read his story. Tamar, who was she? She's a woman who disguised herself as a prostitute, disguised herself as a prostitute that, so that she could get impregnated by a, a certain man. Uh, let's see, David, David, King David is probably the most recognizable. He was an adulterer, right? We know about him in Bathsheba and he, he slept with this woman who was married. And then not only that, he made sure using his position as king to send her husband, Uriah, to the front lines of war so that he would die so he could take Bathsheba to be his own wife. Manasseh, the last uh, name that I mentioned, Manasseh, he was a, a later king of Israel who reinstituted pagan worship. He was an idolater. He, he reinstituted pagan worship uh, uh, in the kingdom of Israel. And not only that, tradition tells us that he was most likely the king who ordered the execution of the prophet Isaiah, the, the book of Isaiah that we have in scripture, the book that points to Jesus so much. This prophet, this holy man of God was most likely executed under the orders of King Manasseh. So in Jesus's family line, if you're following me, in Jesus's family line, we have a con artist, we have a prostitute, we have an adulterer slash murderer, and we have an idolater who reinstituted pagan worship and had a prophet of God murdered. What a mess. What a mess. What a mess in the Messiah's family line. If you don't have any kind of background in scripture, chances are you didn't expect that. If you didn't, put it in the chat, say, I didn't expect that. I did not expect that. Because if you're thinking about Jesus's family line, you're thinking, 
holy men and women of God, people who dedicated themselves to the Lord, who, who did what he said, who even whenever things were hard, they lived up to these lofty expectations of we are from the family line of David and we're gonna live up to it. Not so much, not so much. Those are only four names. We could go on and on about the people in the line of Jesus who messed up, who did not live up to expectations, who let people down, who let God down. We could go over it time and time again all in Jesus's family tree, all these people who did not do what you would have expected. I didn't expect that. I would have expected, if you would have just asked me, if I wouldn't have studied this, I would have thought, yeah, Jesus's family tree, these are amazing people. I wouldn't have expected that they did not live up to expectations, which brings me to my first point. And this is just a, a question I wanna ask, and I want you to ask yourselves, if Jesus, if Jesus fell short of others' expectations, should I expect anything different? I mean, come on now. If, if Jesus, the Messiah, the Holy One, the anointed one of God, the sinless, perfect lamb of God, if he did not live up to people's expectations, who in the world do you think you are trying to live up to him? You're not gonna be able to do it. You're not gonna be able to do it. Jesus' family line, people are going, oh yeah, man, that, it, it, there's, there's a prostitute in his family line? Man, murderers? Adulterers, not what I expected out of Jesus's family. And not only that, let's, let's move past just the Christmas story. Let's move into Jesus's actual uh, uh, ministerial career. He routinely, routinely fell short of what people expected. Time and time again, uh, uh, we see early on in his ministry when he's calling his disciples, uh, one of his disciples runs to go tell Another saying, hey, you've got to come follow this guy. I think this is the Messiah. I think this is the guy that we've been waiting for. Uh, it's Jesus of Nazareth. And Nathaniel, the guy who's talking to, says in response, Nazareth, what good can come from there? Because Nazareth is just this little rundown city back in the day. And so Jesus is letting people down, just, oh, no, nothing good can come from there. That's not what I would expect. I would not expect a king the Messiah to come from Nazareth. Jesus routinely, we would see him go into situations and not work miracles because of people having a lack of faith and, and a lack of honor. And he let them down thinking like, oh, well, I expected a holy man of God. I expected the Messiah to be able to do some kind of miracle. And obviously you can't do that. Jesus let people down whenever Lazarus died. We actually see that some of the people who saw him come there and saw him uh, uh, at Lazarus's tomb say, He's able to make the blind see and the lame walk again, but he couldn't stop this man from dying. Didn't live up to our expectations, Jesus. Jesus had teachings, different messages and sermons that he would give that scripture literally tells us people would walk away because they would say, this is a hard teaching, who can accept it? This is not what we would expect from you. We, we expected something different. You should have said something different, Jesus. His disciples, his disciples, they expected him to overthrow Rome. They expected, hey, whenever we go into Jerusalem, whenever we roll into that city, we're taking over. Like we're throwing the Romans out. We're gonna establish the kingdom of God. This is gonna be amazing. And Jesus didn't do it. A lot of people say that's what instigated Judas betraying him. Judas trying to force his hand, trying to say, all right, well, if you're not gonna overthrow the Romans, I'm gonna make you do it. <laughs> I'm gonna make you do it. I'm gonna hand you over and then you're gonna be forced to take action. Jesus routinely was not living up to the expectations of other people. If he couldn't please everyone, why could I? <laughs> if Jesus couldn't please everyone, why could I? And not only that, let me put it another way. If Jesus didn't try to please everyone, why would I try? 
Why would I try? Why would I waste so much time, so much energy, so much resources into trying to live up to someone else's expectations on my life? Why in the world would I do that? My king didn't do it. My Lord didn't do it. So why should I try to live up to the expectations of others? If Jesus fell short of people's expectations, why should I expect anything different? This is something we need to remember, we need to hold on to, especially right now, because it is Christmas time. (laughs) It's the time of lofty expectations. It's the time when people are expecting you to be all things to all people, right? They want you to be able to come to uh, every, well, I'm not sure how many events are going on right now (laughs) with the coronavirus, but they're wanting you to be at things. They're wanting you to say certain things. They're wanting you to buy the right things. They're expecting so much of you right now. And with social media, you're acutely aware of everybody else and what they're doing and how you're living up to their expectations. You see all the hilarious ways that other people are doing Elf on the Shelf and you're like, okay, I gotta live up to that. I gotta top that. I've gotta have a funnier one than I did yesterday, right? You're seeing what other people are getting their kids for Christmas and you're like, okay, I've gotta I've got match that. I've gotta meet that expectation. Christmas is a time, man, of just expectations being set sky high. And if you're not careful, you will be trying to meet them and you will drive yourself crazy. You will drive yourself crazy. We have got to be so careful, especially at this time of year. Don't fall into the trap of trying to live up to other people's expectations. You have mess in your life. That's okay. (laughs) You have mess in your life. That is okay. Own it. Own it. You have mess and you're in good company because we all do. We all do. The Messiah had mess in his family line. It's okay that you have some mess in your life. You are in good company. In fact, your mess is an opportunity for God to show off, right? Like your mess, it's an opportunity for God to show up and to show off in your life. God took the mess of David's family line and he brought the Messiah out of that mess. What can he do with you? Like, what can he do in your life if you trust him with your mess? If you say, God, look, I know I constantly am not living up to expectations. I know I'm not doing this, but God, I'm trusting you. Help me, help me. I'm handing it over to you. If you do that, man, God can show up and he can show off in the middle of your mess. He can do it. My mess is an opportunity for God to show off. We have a a, a man in our church, just a phenomenal guy, phenomenal family, the Schleiss family, but in particular, Mike Schleiss, uh, the father in the family, just an incredible man, awesome man. If you know Mike's story at all, you know what just uh, 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 a leader he is, a leader of his family, a leader in the church. I want to read you just a little bit about his story. If you don't know about him, um, this, is, this is what he uh, uh, posted about his testimony. He said, for over 30 years, my life was based on the lie that I needed drugs and alcohol to exist to deal with my problems. From alcohol to cocaine and everything in between, the lowest part of my addiction culminated in 2012. After a 17-year addiction to opiates, I found myself sitting in the Summit County Jail facing multiple felonies due to the poor choices I made while I was going through the hell of addiction. I had lost everything, my job, my savings, and soon to be my home. In my cell, I cried out to Jesus to come into my life and to save me. That date was December 16th, 2012. We're coming up on your eight-year anniversary, Mike. Jesus, wasting no time, led me to Cornerstone Church on Christmas Eve, December 24th, 2012, through the prompting of my wife of 31 years. I have never been the same since. Since that time, uh, he he started a group, a, a recovery group called Freedom to Addiction, 
started as a small uh, 12-week group. Since that time, it's transformed into a year-long, twice-a-week meeting, one in Summit County, one in Stark. Continue to have people join and find their freedom in Christ. I actually personally just recently had an appointment with a, a young lady who's, she's been helped so much through Mike and through his testimony and how God has been able to work through him. The name of that group has changed after much prayer. It's called Everlasting Recovery to reflect what God continues to give all of us in the group on a weekly basis. As I look back at the past eight years, God continues to amaze me with his grace and mercy. All glory to God. How incredible is that? You see, God took the mess of Mike's life and he showed off. He just completely showed off. He took the the mess of unfulfilled expectations, not just of other people, not just of other people, but I'm sure the expectations that Mike had for himself. No one expects their life to go like that, right? And I know you feel the same way. There are different areas in your life where you have not lived up even to your own expectations, let alone the ones that other people are putting on you. And you feel like, man, this is just a mess. This is just a mess. I have messed up time and time again. I've just fallen short. I continue to fall short. I want to tell you, if God can bring the Messiah out of a mess, what can he do with you? What can he do with your life if you trust him with it? If you actually take your mess and hand it over to him and trust him with it, he will show up and he will show off. And this is what I want to say, okay? It's so important that the mess you handed over, don't try to fix it yourself. Don't try to handle it yourself because if you do that, the mess, trying to handle the mess, it will make you miss. (laughs) Put it in the chat. If I try to handle the mess, I will miss. I will miss out on what God can do. I will miss out on what God has in mind for me. If I try to handle that mess and try to fix the expectations of my life and try to fix it and say, well, no, maybe I can do it on my own. Maybe I can live up to the expectations. Maybe I can figure this out on my own. If you do that, if you try to handle your mess, you will miss what God has in mind for you. You'll miss what he has in mind for you, the divine detours he wants to take you on, the things that he wants to do to be able to show up in your life Man, me and my wife, uh, Jessica, we saw this firsthand in our life. Uh, we, we moved to Cleveland uh, years ago to start a church uh, in the Middleburg Heights, Strongsville area, Ignite City Church. And we were up there for a few years um, and we had, we had highs and we had lows, right? I've, I've told the story a few different times. Um, <clears throat> we had uh, periods of time where we had people coming and we were growing and it was great and we had no money. <laughs> And so it was like, oh man, we, we've got people and nothing to really fund this thing with. And then we transitioned to a period of time where it's like, hey, we were actually getting like consistent weekly funding, but the people left by that time because we weren't able to meet on a regular routine because we didn't have money to rent a place. It was just a, a crazy circle. And so after a period of time of praying and, and fasting and just seeking God on it, there, there came a point whenever I felt God saying like, okay, the time up here is over. It's, it, it's okay. Like I'm releasing you because I felt the call from God to go up there. There's only like two things I've ever felt called to do in my life. And this was one of them. And so I felt God giving the release on that. Just like, you know what? It's okay. It's okay. You can, you can leave. You've, you've done what I needed you to do up here. And we did. We had people grow. People who hadn't been to church in years come to church. People who are now in relationship with Jesus who weren't when the church started, which is amazing. Just amazing things. But I gotta be honest it took a little bit for me to finally pull the plug. Even after I felt God give me the release, it still took a while. You wanna know why? Expectations of others. Expectations of others. 
I didn't want to pull the plug, not because I was like, God, are you sure? Is this really you, God? Is this really you? And I didn't want to pull the plug even because I'm like, oh, man, well, I'm kind of proud, and I don't want to do this yet. I didn't pull the plug because I didn't want, I was, I was just worried about what other people would think. Would other people think this was all stupid? Would other people think, would they, would they expect that I'm throwing in the towel, that I'm not trusting God enough? What, what would other people think? What would they expect? What would they think about me? What would they think about my faith? What would they think, would they you know, expect, oh, well, I thought you would have run this better. I thought these things would have been run better. We did give financially to you. How, how, how is this not working? I was worried about what other people would expect. And there was a temptation for me to handle the mess, for me to be like, okay, well, no, I, I know God's saying it's okay, but I'm, I'm gonna figure this out. I'm gonna figure this out. I'm gonna handle this. And I'm gonna try to fix these things and try to answer all these expectations. And, and all these expectations I'm coming up with in my head, I'm gonna try to answer all of them and make sure that they're all you know, good to go. And there was a temptation for me to handle that mess on my own. And if I would have tried to handle the mess, all these missed expectations that I set for myself, expectations that I'm sure some other people had for me, if I would have tried to handle that mess, I would have missed what God had in mind for me. Luckily, luckily, we did decide, you know what? Okay, we're, we're gonna step away. We contacted everyone, let them know. They're, they're with great churches now, but uh, not too long after that, the opportunity here at Cornerstone opened up for me to become the campus pastor at the Portage Lakes campus at the time and to then eventually now take over as lead pastor. What if we wouldn't have pulled the plug? What if we wouldn't have pulled the plug? What if I saw my mess as an opportunity for me to handle things? What if I would have saw all of, all of these expectations that I messed up on and these things that I, I was trying to live up to? If I was like, no, I'm gonna fix it, I'm gonna fix it. I could have completely missed what God wanted to do in my life. I could have completely missed this opportunity to be at Cornerstone. There are so many things that I could have missed out on if I tried to handle the mess on my own. And so I wanna tell you, whatever mess you have in your life, follow Mike Slice's example, <laughs> right? Hand it over to God. Don't try to handle it on your own. Don't try to live up to these expectations on your own. Trust in God. Trust it with God and God will show up and God will show off. I'm telling you right now, if you live your life concerned about other people's expectations, if you live your life concerned about what other people think, you are never going to reach a finish line ever. You're gonna be constantly running after people's ever-changing standards of what they expect out of you. You're never going to be fulfilled. It's gonna be an unfulfilling life. It's gonna be a fickle life that's constantly changing. Do not allow the concerns of the expectations of other people to run your life. Don't do it. And I know that's easier said than done. So you're thinking, okay, how do I get there? How do I get to the place where I don't worry about what other people are thinking? How do I get to the place where other people's expectations aren't my driving force? Because for a lot of us, if we're injected with true serum, it is. It is our driving force. It is something that really gets us going is the expectations of other people and what they think and what, what they're concerned with. And so how do we get to that place? The, the biggest way, and it's, again, it's, it's found in the text, the biggest way that we can get there, a place where we are not living for the expectations of other people is remembering this. Who Jesus says I am overrides who you think I should be. Who Jesus says I am, that overrides what anyone else in the world says about what I should be. It just does. Jesus's words outrank yours. <laughs> Jesus's opinion overrules yours. 
I will take him at his word at what he says about me. Who Jesus says I am overrides who you think I should be. Everything in my life, everything should flow out of that, out of who Jesus says I am. Everything in my life flows from that, including other people's expectations. Because this is what I do want you to know. Not all expectations are bad. Not all expectations are bad. Not all expectations that other people have for you are bad. But all of them need to flow and be filtered from who Jesus says you are. Those are the expectations that matter. If someone has an expectation on you, if you have an expectation for yourself, it needs to be filtered on who you are in Jesus. It needs to be filtered through that fact, through that identity, to know if it's a valid expectation or if it's something you can just toss out the window and not listen to, right? Everything flows from who Jesus says I am. Who Jesus says I am overrides who you think I should be. Who does Jesus say we are? And we see that again in the text. This is, this is what's so cool. So we have this entire story, this entire outline of Jesus' family, right? I mean, if you can see that, that's a, a pretty substantial genealogy, right? Well, before all of those verses, what's the very first verse of Matthew say? This is the genealogy of Jesus, the Messiah. It leads with his identity. It leads with his identity. This is who Jesus is. He is the Messiah. And so everything else, all these questions that we have about, well, how could a prostitute be in Jesus's family line? That's not what I expected. Well, how, how is an adultering murderer in Jesus's line? How, how is that one of his great, 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 great grandfathers? How is a, a, a prostitute, how is an idolater, how is someone who, who worshiped pagan gods fit into Jesus's family line? I gotta be honest, I don't totally know. But what I do know, Jesus is the Messiah. That's his identity. Everything else flows out of that fact. The same is true for me and the same is true for you. Everything in your life, everything flows out of the fact of who Jesus says you are. Your identity trumps everything else. Who we are in Jesus, it trumps the expectations that other people have for us. It even trumps the expectations that we have for ourselves. So, who Jesus says I am, who Jesus says I am, is what truly matters. Whenever I am confident in my identity, I don't care what you think, <laughs> right? I don't care what you think. Doesn't mean I have to be mean about it. Doesn't mean I have to be, you know, rough about it. My uh, uh, sister had posted uh, a thing on Facebook about her, her two sons, uh, Max and Riley, how uh, Max, the old, or Riley, the youngest, had seen a video with a dog in it. And so he said to his brother, he's like, Max, there's a, vid in, uh, there's a dog in this video. And Max just said to him, I don't care. And Rachel said, uh, Max, try that again, a little nicer. And so Max like looked at him and said, I get that there's a dog in that video, Riley, but I don't care about it. <laughs> it's like, okay, well, I guess that's, that's nicer, right? <laughs> He's being honest. He, he just didn't care. And that's how we should be when it comes to the expectations and the opinions of other people. That's great. I, I'm glad that you want the best out of my life. I'm glad that you, you have an opinion about me. But my primary audience the primary opinion that holds any weight in my life is who Jesus says I am and what he says about me. And if your expectation lines up with it, awesome. If your opinion lines up with that truth, great. I'll try to live into it. But Jesus gets the final and the only voice on my life. 
He is the one who matters. What he says overrides what anyone else thinks you should be. So let's take our cue from the genealogy of Jesus. Let's take our cue and let's remember our identity comes first. Our identity comes first, no matter the, the expectations we didn't live up to, no matter the, the different things in our life that, you know, it's not exactly where it should be. Who we are in Jesus matters most. We can trust him with the mess in our lives. We can trust him with the expectations we didn't quite live up to. We can trust him with those. And man, we will see God work a miracle in our lives if we do so. I wanna pray with you, all right? Heavenly Father, we thank you again for the truth of your word. We thank you that even in a genealogy, (laughs) you speak truth to us. Truth that shows us it doesn't matter where we've been, if we know who we are and we are your children. We're your children despite all the times we haven't lived up to expectations of other people, despite all the times we haven't lived up to our own expectations. God, you call us your children. You call us your children. Jesus, help us to remember that, to allow our identity in you to override any expectations other people put on us. And God, help us to whenever we do have those moments where we know we're not living up to expectations, where we know we're not doing what we should do, for us to trust you in those moments, God, for us to trust you wholeheartedly to come in and to show up and to show off in the middle of our mess. You've done it before and we know that you will do it again. Help us to partner with you, God, to see that happen in our lives. And we will give you all the honor, all the glory, and all the praise. And it's in your name that we pray. And everyone said in agreement. Amen. Amen. Well, that's all for this week. Thanks again for joining us. If you'd like to contact us or find out more about our ministry, head over to our website at cornerstonechurch.info. Have a great week.